Have you guys heard that commercial where the guy is uh, singing in the shower and then he's singing, this, this conference call is boring, and the person says, you're not on mute? <laughs> <clears throat> Always worried about those when we have Zoom meetings, you know, because I make remarks, but I usually don't have a microphone next to me, you know, that creates a problem. I have been giving sermons for over 50 years. Uh, I've been doing regular sermons for over 45 years, sometimes once a week, sometimes twice a week, sometimes three times a week. In the last couple of years, as the congregation has been doing more of the messages, I've done less of those, and then, of course, this summer, uh, not doing much of any of them. Uh, there's a rhythm you get when you, uh, when you do it regularly that uh, I think I may have, have lost that, so we'll see how, we'll see how that goes. Uh, uh, it's, it's actually harder to do a single sermon than a series. Um, and so many of you have done that single sermon, and you know what that, that pressure is like. So I don't have a series ready to start this week, so I, but I've had something going through my mind. Uh, we get a lot from the scriptures. Uh, we know God's plan of creation, His plan of salvation. We know about His commandments. We know about His covenants. We learn about His attributes and His mighty works and the things that He's done. And that's the basis of a lot of sermons and a lot of commentary. Beyond that, though, there are concepts found in the scriptures, often found in phrases like the fear of the Lord, or the day of the Lord, that are somehow being altered by modern translations, trying to be uh, clear, sometimes to be clear you oversimplify. Uh, but these concepts are really deep in meaning. They have significant theological content tied to them. And they really inform a biblical worldview. Remember, the biblical worldview is not the worldview we get from the Bible, from reading the Bible, because you read the Bible with a worldview. So you tend to read it with your American cultural worldview. The biblical worldview is the worldview of those who were writing it. And that's really critical for us to, to keep in mind. So there is, there is a phrase that's been going through my head for several months, probably the entire summer. And oddly enough, the few times I was here, uh, uh, Dr. Travis and Pastor Travis both quoted from the 23rd Psalm. And it's, that phrase is in the 23rd Psalm. Um, this thing's been going, resonating through my mind over and over and over as I think about it because it starts deconstructing some of my American worldview that I read the scriptures with. So I'd like you to turn to Psalm 23. won't stay there long. We're just going to look at verse 3. <clears throat> Psalm 23 verse 3 says... He makes me lie down in green... Oh, that's two. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness 
for his namesake. The thing that's been echoing through my head is for his namesake. It doesn't say, he leads me in paths of righteousness for my spiritual formation. He leads me in paths of righteousness for my transformation. He leads me in paths of righteousness for my character building, which is the one that I always thought. We come to Christ, then we begin to grow in grace and in knowledge. We build character. I think that's all part of this. But that's not why he's leading us in paths of righteousness. He's leading us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So I search that phrase for his sake, for the sake of his name, all through, and it's, it's found many, many times in the scriptures. Again, sometimes convoluted by English translations, but this concept is there, that God is doing things for his namesake. And they involve us for his namesake. God's name is critical to the scriptures. He invokes his name as the ultimate authority. You will not do what you did in Egypt or what they're doing in Canaan. You will do what I tell you. I am the Lord. He invokes his name. I am the Lord. Often through the Torah you read that. <coughs> he gives the commandment. You will be holy for I am holy. I am the Lord. Right? I am the Lord. Now, when he says that, he doesn't say I am the Lord. This is a real struggle with the idea of lordship. Because lordship is drawn from God using his name this way. He actually is using the divine name. The name that he used when Moses says, what is your name? They're going to ask me, what's your name? I am that I am. Tell them I am hath sent you. Obviously all of that's English. What he uses there is the tetragram. yud heh vav heh the name of God. A name that is treated by Judaism in such a way that they don't ever use the name and pronounce it. It was said once on the Day of Atonement in the Holy of Holies in the liturgy. Never mentioned. Later translated Jehovah and used in hymns in Christianity. But Christianity also struggled with that. So that our Bibles use the word Lord. Usually in all caps. To re reference where the divine name is. And of course the reason they did that is because in Judaism it became common to substitute Adonai. For the divine name. So Lord God is Adonai Elohim. But you know and, and we, you know, this congregation's very well versed in, in the Jewish context. You know that generally what is commonly said is instead of even saying Adonai is Hashem. The name. For his name's sake. What's the significance of God's name? 
Well, I'd like you to turn with me quickly to Proverbs 2. We're going to do a little bit of a Bible drill here today. Um, my, my struggle is I could turn this into a series very easily, and I didn't want to do that because I'm still pondering the content. You know, I don't want to do a series until I've lived it for a couple of years before I, I get there. In Proverbs 22... And this is also found in Ecclesiastes. Uh, there's a parallel passage there. Uh, it says, A good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Wow. Okay. I always like it. So, what's your name? They say the names. Oh, that's a nice name. Is that what they're talking about? Make sure your parents give you a nice name. Because a good name is really preferred over gold. It's not talking about the name. It's talking about the reputation. The name addresses the character of what is being named. God's name is Kadosh. It is holy. God's name is righteous. God's name is merciful. God's name is all of these attributes... It's his reputation that is tied to his name. If you have a bad reputation, your name is mud, right? If you have a good reputation and somebody invokes your name, they think of that good reputation. So a good name is important and of great value. So God leads us in paths of righteousness for the sake of his reputation. That's what I've been thinking about. Even this is not about me. It's not about my reputation because I'm doing good. It's about God's reputation because I'm manifesting His grace and favor in me to struggle towards holiness and righteousness. His name is associated with all that He does. And He does these things for His namesake. That His name and His character may be known among the angels and among human beings. Those he created to bear his image. So, God's reputation is related to his activities and his relationship with his people, Israel, and those of us from the nations. Remember, the God that we serve is the God who made the heavens and the earth. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's not the... It's not just this... We're not fighting polytheism much anymore. So when somebody says, do you believe in God? You know. We've got this kind of generic God that everybody thinks of. I try to avoid that as much as possible. I had a guy on a plane once say to me, I saw my Bible in my case. And he says, uh, you a Christian? I said, yeah. He says, I don't believe in God. I said, oh, Neptune? Me neither. And he goes, what? I don't believe in Neptune. Are you kidding me? Adonis? I don't believe these things. 
Oh, you don't believe in the, that God. What do you know about him? Most people don't know much about him. There's just this believe in God, don't believe in God kind of thing that happens. But God's name is about his character and about who he is. His identity. So God's character is demonstrated by his people walking in his paths of righteousness and holiness. For the sake of his reputation. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Verse 5, we'll pick it up, verse 5 and go to 8. See, I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, this is Moses talking, that you should do thus in the land where you are entering to possess it. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? God intended, remember, God created one nation, only one, where God deliberately established the culture. All the nations were formed at Babel. He just scattered us out there and we've been on our own ever since. Paul describes that without hope and without God in the world. But Israel, he said, you're not going to act like them. You're going to act the way I tell you. And you will be a light to the nations. They're part of special revelation in showing what God's like. And God said, when you live this way, when you act this way, they will see my wisdom and my glory and my attributes. And they will say, there's no nation like this. There's no God like this. So, what happened? I mean, I think God's still doing that with us. But the message is not getting through. In part, it's our fault. So, turn with me to Romans chapter 2. And we'll pick up where Paul starts talking about this very thing. Now, the Jews use, the word Jew comes from the term Judah, Judeans, but the people of God are called Israel, because that's the name that Israel was given, um, struggling with God and with man. And, and, And El in Israel refers to God. Those terms are connected at the time Paul is writing, they are somewhat treated differently after that in history. So he can use these things interchangeable. So he says, if you bear the name Jew and rely upon the law and boast in God. In other words, you're identified with the God of Israel as the Israel of God. 
and you know His will, and you approve of the things that are essential being instructed out of the law, and you're confident that you are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness. That's what the, the purpose of that was. A corrector of the foolish, teacher of the immature, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and of the truth. You therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that one should not steal, do you steal? If you say one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You abhor idols, do you rob the temples? You boast in the law, but through breaking the law, you dishonor God. Because the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Just as it is written. Notice, he says, this is written. Paul's quoting an issue with Israel. Israel couldn't, Israel couldn't do it. God said, here's the commandments. Put them on your heart. Well, they put them on their hands and they put them on their heads. And they put them on their walls. Told them to do that too. But he said, these are going to be on your heart. But they have human hearts. We have human hearts. The human heart seems to be hard with regard to truth and the commandments of God. Sometimes we can perform it a little bit externally, but the inner man is struggling with those things. And so what happened is Israel couldn't do it. God removed them from the land, scattered them among the nations, and the people then didn't see in them the glory of God for His namesake. What they saw was, these guys are just like us. That God is nothing. Where am I getting at? Where Paul got that. Ezekiel chapter 36. We're going to stay there a little bit, so you might want to get there. In Ezekiel 36, God speaks to Jerusalem. Remember, Israel and the promised land are directly connected. It's a holy God, a holy people, and a holy land. That's the message of the Bible. So he says, prophesy concerning the land of Israel and say to the mountains, to the hills, the ravines and the valleys, thus says the Lord God, behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and in my wrath because you have endured the insults of the nations. Israel and Jerusalem is still treated with insult by the peoples of the world. Therefore, thus says the Lord, I have sworn that surely the nations which are around you will themselves endure their insults. But you, mountains of Israel, you will put forth branches and bear your fruit for my people Israel, for they will soon come. Behold, I am with you, and I will turn to you, and you will be cultivated and sown. I will multiply men on you at the house of Israel, all of it. All Israel will be saved, Paul talks about. And the cities will be inhabited and the waste places will be rebuilt. I will multiply on you man and beast. They will increase and be fruitful. I will cause you to be inhabited as you were formerly. And I will treat you better than at the first. Thus you will know that I am the Lord. I will cause men, my people Israel, 
<coughs> to walk on you and possess you and that you will become their inheritance and never again be bereaved of children. Thus says the Lord God, because they say to you, you are a devourer of men and you have bereaved your nation of children, you will no longer devour men or be a nation of uh, bereaved your nation of children, declares the Lord. I will not let you hear insults from the nations anymore, nor will you bear disgrace from the people any longer, nor will you cause your nation to stumble any longer, declares the Lord. Then the word of the Lord said, Son of man, when the house of Israel was living in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. And their way before me was like the uncleanness of a woman in her impurity. And I poured out my wrath on them for the blood which they had shed on the land, and because they had defiled it with idols. I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed throughout the lands. According to their ways and their deeds, I judged them. When they came to the nations where they went, they profaned my name. That's what Paul's talking about. The Gentiles blaspheme the name. Uh, it was said of them, these are the people of the Lord. They have come out of the land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations where they were. God's reputation is on the line. He made promises to Abraham. He made promises that he would bring this all about. And people look at it and say, I don't see the promises. Well, the promises requires a change in us. That will ultimately be part of the resurrection. But, but it has begun in that we have been born again. And we are progressing in sanctification towards that resurrection. Not perfectly, but our mind and our focus needs to be on that. So that picks up at verse 22. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act but for my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you went. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. The nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight. I will take you from the nations, gather you from the lands, and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. That's Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave you for your forefathers. So you will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and multiply it. I will not bring a famine on you. I will multiply the fruit of the tree, the produce of the field. You will not receive again the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. And you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for the iniquities and your abominations. 
I am not doing this for your sake, declares the Lord. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and be confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, on the day I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause your cities to be inhabited and the waste places will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of being a desolation in sight of everyone who passes by. They will say the desolate land has become like the Garden of Eden and the waste, desolate, ruined cities are fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left around you will know that I am the Lord and I have rebuilt the ruined places and planted them which was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken, will do it. I will also let the house of Israel... I don't need to go on there. Now... There's a danger here. Really easy to say, well, boy, Israel's really bad. You know anything about the history of the church? We're the same flesh. We're the same problem. We are a mess. We should not be going around bragging. We should rejoice in the Lord. We shouldn't be bragging about our righteousness. Because our righteousness doesn't cut it either way. He is leading us in that direction because He wants us To walk in his ways. But we await the time. When the Lord will. Ultimately bring that about. Now there's always a remnant. In Israel. And among the nations. That seek the Lord. And if if the spirit of God. And God's word. Prompts you. And draws you to it. Instead of being disgusted by the word. But led to the word. Then that is the spirit of God in you. bringing about this desire to walk in his ways. But then when you look in the mirror, you're not walking in his ways. So, what's our attitude now? Can't live in the future when it's all done. I don't want to live in the past where I'm just waiting for it to happen. Psalm 25 gives us an answer. This should be the cry of our heart. And what it does is it does two things. It draws you towards the Lord and His ways. And it makes you loathe yourself for not being able to get there. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. You are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and your loving kindness, for they have been of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember me, for your goodness' sake, for the sake of your name, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice. He teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenants and his testimonies. For your name's sake, 
O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should go. The soul, his soul will abide in prosperity. His descendants will inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he will make them know his covenant. My eyes are continually toward the Lord. For he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me. <clears throat> for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Look upon my enemies, for they are many. They that hate me with violent hatred, guard my soul and deliver me. Do not let me be ashamed, for I take refuge in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of his troubles. We bear the name. Been a while since I've We bear the name Christian. We bear the name of the Messiah of Israel. Those Gentiles were first called Christians in Antioch, according to Acts eleven. And Paul talks to us in Philippians about God working in us. I want you to look at this because I think this prayer and this knowledge of what God's doing in us in Philippians is really important. Philippians 2, verse 12. Paul says, so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work. To will and to do is the King James. To make you willing and to empower you to do of his good pleasure. It's impossible to please God without faith. And the obedience comes out of that faith. So he says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor have toiled in vain. Paul says he wants the Philippians to hang on to the word in obedience even as the world gets darker. To hang on to that not because they're righteous but because God is leading them in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That people will at the day of Christ after having ridiculed us for living that way. They will have to confess that God was among us all the time. And he will be vindicated in that context.
The struggle against the world in the flesh continues. We do not get better and better as we wobble through there, but we struggle to be more and more faithful in that context. When we walk in His ways, others see His wisdom and His power in us. And when we have sinned and repent and seek His forgiveness, we also show His grace and mercy. It's important that we show that. We only show people that once I came to Jesus, I've lived perfect, which isn't true. We give them a false testimony. But I am struggling to work out my salvation in fear. We bear His name. And if we consider that, I think we won't grow weary in well-doing. So the call to obedience is not a call to work salvation. Salvation is by grace through faith. But having received His grace, He calls us to obedience for His namesake. I have two more verses. I'm watching my time. First Peter. Chapter 1. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's all headed for that. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you address the Father uh, as Father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were redeemed, not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your futile way and life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of a lamb unblemished spotless, The blood of Christ. And he says it is through him that you are believers in God. Who raised him from the dead. And gave him glory. So that your faith and your hope. Are in God. Since you have in obedience to the truth. Purified your souls. With the sincere love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again. Not of seed which is perishable. But imperishable. Through the living and enduring word of God. Now, two things here. And I, I've said this before. I just want to uh, underscore it. God has called us to walk in his ways. And the two primary paths of his way. There are three really with the, the new commandment. To love God, that's holiness. To love our neighbor, that's righteousness. And to love one another, that's unity. He's called us to do that so that his reputation would be understood. I'm convinced that we have to be both holy and good. If we're holy and not good, we're identified with God, but we don't act good, then we fall into the same trap that Israel fell in and the churches fall in where we claim to be holy and connected to God, but they see that we're just as unrighteous as they are, and God gets the blame. If we're good, but we keep our mouths shut about our faith and trust in God, we get the credit for our good, and God does not get 
glorified. That's why Jesus said, and it was read earlier, so I'm not going to have you turn again. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You don't put the light under a bushel, you put it up so it can be seen. You have to live to be seen in holiness and in righteousness. He leads us in those paths publicly for his namesake. Let your light so shine, that's holiness, that men may see your good works, that's righteousness, and glorify your Father in heaven. That only happens one way. They know it's not you doing it. You're doing it because of God in you. You're doing it because you trust in Him and you're walking in His ways. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I always thought that I needed to struggle to be better as a believer. But I thought it was for my reputation. It's not for my reputation. It's for His reputation. Let's pray. Father, for your name's sake, forgive us as we confess our sins. For your name's sake, Lord, cause us to be willing to follow you and to trust you. For your name's sake, Lord, energize us to be obedient to you, even in difficult times. Let us sanctify you, Lord, in our heart. And be ready always to give an answer for the hope that dwells in us. Not because we've spoken of that hope, but because we live it. Lead us in paths of righteousness for the sake of thy great and holy name, Lord. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.